Welkom bij de Oxpace, Panos en Fotini. Am yes. I saying it correct? Yes. Very correct. Um, yeah. Owners and founders of the new Raw. Yeah. Tell me um, who you are and where you were born and when uh, did the new Raw start or when did you start with the new Raw? Fotini first. Okay. Uh, my name is Fotini Setaki. Uh, I'm co-founder of the new Raw. Uh, the new Raw is an idea that uh, was born back in 2015. Uh, it was an idea that we wanted to explore together with Panos uh, about uh, how uh, discarded materials could get a new life through design and digital craftsmanship. Nice, nice. Panos. So, yeah, my name is Panos Akas. With Fotini, we are founding partners of the Neuro. We are also partners in life. So we are in it together in uh, all levels. And as very correct, Fotini said, uh, yeah, the idea of, we started as a, as a workshop actually. Uh, exploring the idea. So in the beginning, it was just an exploration, not so much uh, like a concept, of like a conscious stuff, yeah. attempt to make mm. something out of it. But uh, yeah, we were following our gut feeling and it was a good start. Yes. Mm. Almost 10 years now. So a good gut feeling. <laughs> it was at that time, yeah. it was like a no brainer, you know, yeah. plastic waste is a big issue. Mm. 3D printing, these new technologies, they were really promising so many things about the future. So for us, the combination, because it was a very attractive combination, was something that we had to explore because we really felt that in the future it would play a big role. To make it clear, you came up because you both uh, met in Greek, in Greece, sorry, in Greece, I presume, and yeah. studied here, right? Both yeah, actually, uh, we studied first in Greece, architecture, and then in the Netherlands at TU Delft, uh, building technologies. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason we came to the Netherlands. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. But the concept was born in Greece. It was born in the Netherlands, uh -huh. but it was applied in Greece. So it was, yeah, we, we've been here since 2010. It, it's a hybrid, hybrid uh, kind of concept. It's a European, <laughs> European uh, project. <laughs> EU, uh, EU stamp. It's combining the best out of the two, let's say, <laughs> you know, countries. Nice. So for, for us, it was, uh, yeah, because we applied on an island. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the concept of the island really um includes a lot of things we were looking for it yeah. was something that you could actually see what is coming in and what is coming out yes uh, islands are a bit insular, yeah. so they're a bit limited from the rest of the world also the water on the islands in greece uh, is imported in plastic bottles mm -hmm. and the plastic the bottle, water you mean, of yes course, uh -huh. and the plastic bottles are then uh, discarded and exported back to athens for recycling mm -hmm. so we thought uh, maybe there is an opportunity here to Uh, through design and new technologies, create something new. And for example, export plastic waste as a type of souvenir mm. and make it travel the world. Okay. Uh, Because the, is the plastic value. also, the other bottles produced in, uh, made in Greece? Uh, yes. Usually, okay. yes. So it's, it's water from Greece with bottles. So it's totally Greece, Greek. And then you thought about exporting the final product you made to other countries it, it was about actually yeah, the name the new row it's a, the new raw material mm -hmm. so islands they have limited resources yeah. especially the small mm -hmm. islands uh, so especially the greek islands during the summer when the, like the population becomes five times ten times course, bigger due to tourism uh, there is a lot of uh, waste production so you can really see the difference so it's as if they're like new materials coming in and uh, okay 
where are they going afterwards? So we were saying not making a material, but use them and make something so that it can leave the island, it can leave the place in by being a souvenir, by being a product, by being something useful a for the place. design item, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. What has been the biggest achievement till today for you? Uh, and how has this changed you or your process of creation? Well, uh, we are proud of uh, two projects. Um, one of them is called uh, Print Your City. Uh, the idea was first implemented uh, in uh, as a research project, uh, first in Amsterdam and then in 2018 in Thessaloniki and later also in another Greek uh, city, Elefsina. And the idea there is to run, a, let's say, a city campaign where all citizens are invited to collect their plastic waste, bring it to our workshop that is located in the city center and let's say live, uh, recycle it. So all the steps of the recycling process and let them be part of the design process as well. So citizens can customize, let's say, a public space through the material they donate, but also the design input that they give. Yeah, to make it clear, because I saw on your, um, I saw on your websites that you primarily produce um, products that can be used outdoors. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, they can be used indoors also but yeah. uh, they are more suitable for the outdoors because they're very durable in the weather so they're more uh, heavy duty heavy duty and uh, water uh, resistant salt water, salt water. <laughs> exactly yeah. and the inside sometimes you need a cushion you need something soft mm. the outdoors has a different rules but for us it was also a symbolic uh, thing it was uh, giving back to the city so from the city waste making something that is uh, functional durable mm. um, highly visible and then we give it back to the city and people can use it and enjoy it mm-hmm. and was it immediately that people were standing in line to 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 <laughs> produce their own yeah. how was how was this experience it was great because um, it was ex- exactly before covid so still people were like very anxious uh, uh, yeah anxious they were um, out um, outwards and um, we managed to do it in a very central place in the city of Thessaloniki. So it was an experience center. So people could come, could learn, could really see things that they hear about. And uh, at the end, it was a small case study. So at the end, uh, what, what we managed to do, like really, we, we managed with the people to somehow upgrade a, a square in this city. Mm-hmm. It was not a big, let's say, impact as a, let's say, design gesture. No, no, but we think that the social impact, just having like thousands of people coming by or kids and really seeing, oh, really, you can do that? I mean, yeah. everybody had so many ideas. Everybody wanted to take the furniture with them uh, at home. So it's about changing uh, behaviors and changing the, the mind of, of, of young people, but also of like more And especially people. the process of recycling, because we're here in this city, what happens a lot is they collect all the things and then they're, They're putting industrial areas. They go through the process of, of recycling. So you're not, um, it's not in your face. You don't, you don't see, the, you hear from it and you, you know it's aware, you're aware of it, but it's more like collecting and then going somewhere in industrial sites and then, and, and then recycling. It's uh, the, the volume of, of the material is so, so big that you can't really have it in the center. And in, in our case, it was a demonstration. So people could actually uh, be part of the experience But you have to think that when you have to make furniture for a city, you need big, big quantities of uh, material. Of course. So yeah, Print Your City was the, the fir- actually was a concept that really includes our vision for the future, you know, plastic, build your public space with your plastic waste, like locally, participatory, you know, for us, it's a very simple thought. 
uh, why not using technology and uh, yeah, design thinking to, to make it happen? So that was uh, a big uh, achievement uh, when we managed to actually get the funding, get the partners to, to apply it. Of course. And, the, and the other one, maybe you can, uh, yeah, the other one is Second Nature. So it's again, same principle, but then that was a project really that we were, we wanted to connect more with Greece. So it was about like fishing, um, fishing gear. So like uh, fishing nets that are lost in the city, in the, in the sea. And uh, we really wanted to make some small showcase, a small video. And uh, the success of that was that the, the, the foundation that actually uh, supported us to make this video, uh, after two years, they made um, a business, they made a company that they actually collect fishing gear, fishing ropes from all around Greece. Discarded uh, fishing Discarded gear. and mm -hmm. they are recycling. So uh, we feel very proud that we we're just, you know, like the spark that started this, uh, this process. Nice. And is this in the whole of Greece or in your own? Because People don't know, but Greece is <laughs> massive. A lot of islands, a lot of. Uh, it's they collect from all around Greece. Greece is a small country, but the coastline is very big. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And fishing and shipping is very is very active in uh, in course, the area. Of course, of course. Uh -huh. Was working with or for IBM a sense of coming for full circle? Uh, I read, of course, I did some research. Uh, as we all know, this company was uh, known for being the foundation of modern computing and adherent uh, robotic systems. How was this? Or am I just overemphasizing something? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, actually, we never thought it uh, really in never that, thought about it in in that, that sense. way, mm -hmm. but it's true that it makes an interesting uh, circle. Mm -hmm. We like to think in circles uh, with all our clients, uh, like uh, we explore how, for example, their material sources uh, can become, uh, can get a new life mm. and explore uh, new applications with them. So in a way, uh, what you say, it's more uh, like a, a conceptual, but indeed yeah, uh, we yeah. like to think because in circles. What was it exactly? I'm just pinpointing this one. What did you do for IBM? How was the, co the, the, the was it the um, uh, cooperative? concept was it something you did for them with them how can yeah you... it was a commission we did uh, that uh, actually they wanted to let's say make a sustainable renovation in their uh, one of their buildings mm -hmm. and then we contributed with some of our uh, let's say products nice yeah nice okay yeah. tell me more about what a circular design workshop coming back to the word circular tell me more about what a circular design workshop is I mean, our workshop, because our studio has a, a workshop, has a, also a part that it's, we produce things and a part that we just think and design things. Mm -hmm. um, our workshop is very wasteful. So we do a lot of experimentation, a lot of tests that usually don't work. Uh, Prototypes. Uh, uh, prototyping, exactly. Prototyping. So we, we need to make sure that we can actually use this uh, as something afterwards. Um, so... Uh, what we are uh, focusing more is having a closed cycle, closed cycle for the materials. So in that sense, the material, we try to keep it in-house in the sense that uh, um, what doesn't work, we have to crush it uh, and use it as a material again. Or reuse it sometimes. Or reuse well. it. Yeah, actually, lately we work uh, on that because that makes uh, that's more sense. even more efficient. Yeah, because otherwise you're still using the process of using machinery and, and it's not so carbon uh, Yeah, there is a lot efficient. of energy involved. Right. Mm -hmm. So the material is not wasted, but on the other hand... Uh, you still have to, yeah. Yeah, you have to take it apart, etc., etc. There are a lot of steps that we need to, right. to, do, to make in order to be really circular or not to be uh, zero waste. Yeah. 
we, we really focus on that. So we really focus every time to progress, to do progress on, on that thing, because we think that it's very essential. But let's say it's also our starting point. Uh, we only work with recycled materials or waste materials. And then we want to make sure that all our products can be recycled again and yeah. that way be circular. Yeah, but materials, I mean, there's wood, there's plastic, there's so many different types of materials. Is it that you use all of these or are you really focused in one kind of niche? We are monomaterials. Monomaterials. <laughs> so we only use, yeah, yeah that's a very, very good question because, yeah, we try to make plastic, to express plastic in many different ways. So at the end, what we make, we try to make it um, with as less materials as possible. So yeah. it's easy, uh, yeah. recyclable afterwards. Yeah. So we don't use glues. We don't use, let's say, uh, this kind of things. And if we have to connect plastic uh, parts of, the, of our projects with something else we always do it mechanically so we can actually you can disassemble yeah kind of connects or lego <laughs> almost or, or lego. being a bit kind of this kind of a yeah. concept okay nice nice um what drew you to Rotterdam and what has been your experience here thus far I mean, originally we came for studies. We, in, in, in Delft, but in you could Delft, have stayed in Delft, of course. But uh, because we are originally from Athens, we like the city vibe, oh. being next to the harbor, having yeah. accessibility to so many different technologies, uh, harbor locations. Mm -hmm. It was a source of inspiration for us, but also being close to many other creatives. So we came for another reason to study, but uh, we stayed here forever, let's say, um, and yeah, the reasons were what I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And what has been your experience, Panos, coming from a warm, family-minded society to Rotterdam? It's like, because Rotterdam is also known in the Netherlands, I don't know if you're aware, one of the roughest cities. <laughs> okay, I don't know what your experience in Athens has been, because <laughs> I, I have been once in Athens and there's roughness everywhere in big cities, but... I mean... Uh... Uh, vi visually, because uh, you have kids, for example, we have kids exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, visually, the city is uh, is rough, like uh, like Athens, because it's a city. Yeah. Uh, for us, for the city, we are city people. We really like urban urban living. Mm. Uh, we enjoy nature, but uh, as a break. Um, so so far, um, you know, all the good stuff, all the nice stuff of Rotterdam, they keep us here and they make us not look about the bad stuff. So. The mentality of the you know just do it be able to to make materialize your true, ideas true. um actually the people to be honest uh, in greece we have um have a good weather we have good food we have family but here we we, we made uh, friends uh, through social life through through work um that you know it's a it's a new type of family and so, um were, were both your children born here in yeah, the yeah yeah okay well there we go we have d dutch children <laughs> and it's oh. yeah it's funny but you know i think that it's uh, the rotterdam is a much more friendly place to grow children than athens yeah for different reasons <laughs> okay anyway good. for another discussion okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay uh when most people hear the word architect they presume you design building blocks and apartments uh, if I tell my parents architects, they think of, that's immediately what you think about. Was this one of the reasons you started studying uh, architecture or were you already aware that there are different facets or, or, or yeah, kind of ways of, of, of studying architecture? Yeah, I think also talking about myself, uh, I, I was always interested in architecture, the city. So I thought studying architecture would be um, a very interesting study. Uh, but during my studies, I realized that uh, the most important thing I learned was a way of thinking. 
that doesn't apply in one specific scale. So in a way, uh, I consider doing steel architecture, but uh, micro like uh, or nanoscale on a material level, for example. And uh, indeed, what we do is actually building small components where, for example, gravity still exists. And then we try to find ways uh, that are smart uh, to combine them together. So I feel very close to what I have studied, but it's a totally different scale. Yeah. And for you, Panis? It's, yeah, I think it's very typical for architects when they graduate to do something else. Uh, it's very typical because the, 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 broad, the, the, the knowledge we get, it's so broad. Uh, and also the, the demand is not so so big as the supply for architects. So I think, yeah, what we use, um, I think as a, um, as a takeaway from our studies is be able to combine the different expertise, be able to bring the different uh, experts and understand them. Um, I mean, product design and uh, industrial design is also a complex process. True, and it's not so far from market. It's a lot of planning, a lot of thinking mm. about uh, 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 making things uh, viable, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's very, the, the thing is that for instance, um, the industrial design is so much faster and your responsibility is much smaller than architecture. Architecture takes so much time to materialize things. Uh, yeah, and it and has to do with planning and, and laws and, and, exactly. and, and how, okay. <laughs> so the actual practice is something that um, I've never really experienced in full because we worked a bit as an architect, but I don't really, this is not what I was looking for. Yeah. What we were looking for is to be able to materialize what we want to do. So this is something that takes, that, that this is something that, doesn't always happen uh, in architecture, but you know you can always get uh, the knowledge and uh, an education. I mean, I think nowadays you know you get a diploma for something, but you can do so many things. True, true, true. Mm -hmm. uh, have you? Excuse me. How have you been able to overcome trials and tribulations in the eight years of your existence as a company? And can you give an example and how this has changed your team or business mindset? Yeah, of course, of, every uh, every uh, every company goes through a phase of change, or or um, they are challenged. Uh, let's uh, we of course, I don't want to go too deep into it, but we also have been challenged in the sense of of restriction uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, tell me more about this. How how was this? You're a, okay. First of all, you're a couple. Yes. So you take your work home also. Go first first challenge, first big big challenge, right? How is this? How can you how how do you manage because you have to manage uh, a family, you have to be able to let this go and say okay, I don't want to talk about, you know, the concept or yeah. how do you do this? Uh, we are still trying to do this. We are not able <laughs> You're always, to, of course, yeah, it's always to a challenge. make a boundary between uh, working and personal life because we are really uh, involved in all aspects of it. Um, I think we started with a romantic idea to work together mm -hmm. and um, merge together our uh, cre creativity and points of view. For example, myself, I was more interested into the digital uh, fabrication processes and panels into sustainable approaches. Mm -hmm. So that's how a bit... Uh, and we, you can, we, you can uh, comp uh, how do you say you... Uh, you're the, uh, the, you're the additives to the other, right? You give yeah, each other it was a complementary approach. Complimentary, uh, yeah. At the moment, uh, we try to become uh, to stay complementary, so we don't do the same things. But we are also very similar right. to each other. Right. We both studied architecture. Yeah. Uh, you know, we work for a few years now together, so uh, this uh, makes it more homogeneous. Of course, of course. But uh, let's say it's something we are uh, constantly developing: mm -hmm. how to bring a balance between personal life and uh, living. Nice and panos. 
Yeah. Um, can you give me an example of, for example, because I've spoken to a few um, makers or, or people who produce something. Yeah, have you also had the experience that someone, that you had some commissioned work and you had to do it over and over again or they, it didn't, you know, didn't comply to what they wanted, et cetera, et cetera. Can this kind of, because I can presume that this can be also um, energy, um, take, it takes up a lot of energy. And then the communication, some people don't really know what they want. And eventually, you know, you kind of can get frustrated about this. How, how do you deal with those things? Yeah. Uh, and in the beginning, we're very lucky because we had very good clients that yeah. they were like really very positive in everything we're doing. So somehow you take it as a, this is the, 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 sound, the status, mm -hmm. <laughs> the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, until the moment that, yeah, what you said, uh, ha it happens. Uh, I think it's at the end, it's more of a, um, yeah, it's more of a process. Uh, we are a small team and we like to have a good uh, chemistry, good energy. Uh, right now we are six to 10 people uh, uh, between uh, Greece and, um, and, uh, and the Netherlands. Um, so at the end, we really believe in the good energy with people like so that we need to because what we're doing is uh, it's a bit uh, it needs some education to explain, OK, what are you doing? Uh, because also we also don't make it super clear uh, deliberately because we want to have people that are a bit more. They, ha they have an understanding when they come and they, and they work with us. So it's not okay. They're choosing you for you and not the uh, uh, prefabricated. Uh, yes, we try to to use our let's say lack of good communication <laughs> as a filtering <laughs> <laughs> uh, mechanism. Let's say sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But at the end, it's I think it's a, it's a process. So what we because yeah, like you said, shit happens. Sorry, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, then you learn about that and you find processes to mitigate the problem so people can know before, not at last moment that, okay, this is what you got, but oh, I don't like it. Mm. Uh, but at the end, it is about the people, it is about the personalities, sure. because it's uh, it's not that we are two people working with one person as a client. Sometimes it's organisms that there are like many people involved and it's yeah. a confusion. There. Yes, of decision-making and yeah. this one and that one, aesthetics, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. But, um, if the project is good for us, we, yeah, we're willing to take the risk for this kind of, um, yeah, we will take this risk. Mm -hmm. And can I you, can you preview, are you more trained now to say, hmm, it's like, okay, you discuss it and you say, I, I have this kind of feeling that we shouldn't do this because we've had this experience before or et cetera, et cetera. Do you become more trained in these things in, 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 for? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a learning process. Right. It's, it's a right. learning process. We improve, let's say. <laughs> good, good. Nice. You were, you wanted to say something for the. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say one more thing uh, mm -hmm. because it's about uh, what Pano said about uh, the human relations, etc. But I think it's also that uh, we truly believe what we do, like the values that uh, we represent, like sustainability, mm -hmm. digital craftsmanship, uh, really uh, keep us motivated. And for example, during Corona times, it was a period that, uh, you know, all, all companies, including ours, were suffering, uh, were suffering. Uh, the future was uncertain. Uh, but somehow we had the, our small bubble living in uh, Rotterdam, biking to our uh, studio within 10 minutes, crafting and uh, recycling. And somehow this uh, uh, keeps us motivated, which I think is, uh, the, you know, having your spirit uh, high is uh, really important. And you don't have this doubt why I'm doing this. And... Uh, why I'm in this situation again, you know, like uh, I, I find it very important, at least for myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, I read in an interview about a love for digital craftsmanship 
and what others consider as discarded and unusable. And can you tell me more? Oh, well, we already spoke about this, but um, can you tell me more and also how this led uh, to a workshop on a Greek island? So we're kind of going back to tell me more. Kind of let's go. Let's take a camera and and the horse, uh, the fly on the on the wall, and see where you were at that moment. For let's say you were students, right? Architecture students. Uh, recent graduates. Re recent graduates. So you're still in um, fresh. You're fresh. Your your mind is fresh. No kids. No, no, not do those responsibilities. Um, what was it that um, kind of? Of course, you had the same interests, but there's a lot of people around you that are that are interested in the same things. Was it also in a workshop that was really uh, uh, um, focused on on architecture and on recycle recyclable uh, uh, stuff? I mean, it was a look. It was a very naive uh, decision. Uh, we, we <laughs> yeah, really, but you're sitting here, really so it was naive. Think, but yeah, you have to it, be. I'd be it was not a master plan <laughs> that uh, you know paid off. <laughs> But I think this naivety is uh, is important sometimes because it's empowering. I think it's empowering. Yeah, <laughs> knowing things, it's uh, definitely <laughs> empowering. So digital craftsmanship, yeah, was a term that we were not using uh, when we started. It was about 3D printing, exploring. But you know, because these things evolve so fast, uh, we try to separate our approach on this technology by saying, okay, 3D printing means a lot of things, gets people to think of many things. Right now, almost everybody knows a bit what it is or what you can get. So we were thinking, okay, we, we, we are planning on the go, you know, like it's like uh, we start la naive, uh, naive, just following our, our gut. And that's actually created a lot of tribulations that you said, you know, there was challenges. not, yeah, challenges. But at the end, you know, if you really, I think looking back, I mean, still like, uh, we're not like, uh, let's say established, but uh, you know, we're happy that this thing has grew into something. Mm. Looking back. You're you, being modest because I've seen your followers on Instagram. <laughs> it's, uh, we need more. We but need it's more good, followers. modesty. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's true that, um, no, but let's say uh, even though we work with new technologies, the, our approach is to find meaningful ways to use it and not just use it because can just because we can, you know. So for us, digital craftsmanship is something uh, that uh, um, helps us uh, think in a new way. So it's uh, more of a philosophy, very yeah. Greek. <laughs> we, we, we try to, you know, we think what is our contribution right now, you yeah. know, like in the, we be, we started with recycled plastic and 3D printing. Now, let's say there are more people working on that. Maybe there are companies and people that do it better uh, than us. So our, let's say, uh, let's say um, motivation, uh, how can we contribute in this, in this effort? So we call it digital craftsmanship because, you know, you have the tools that these tools have to empower you and not to, to define you, let's say. No. So we say, okay, we have the privilege of designing and making these things. So we can play, we can, uh, let's say, uh, spend our resources according to, to what we think. And we try to explore how you can actually use these tools in, in a different way. So open some gates, open some possibilities. Again, high risk, maybe na naive, uh, but at the end of the story right now, let's say the business model that we would like to follow is like doing R&D and make a living out of you know, this research 
uh, that can actually okay be applied, of course, at the end. Mm-hmm. So digital craftsmanship somehow it's a word that uh, describes good right now what we are doing. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, basically we get inspiration from traditional techniques uh, or uh, techniques that are applied to other materials. Yeah, and it's, then it's funny you say this because I saw uh, also the one that's that we have here. Nothing. It's uh, woven, and yeah. this weavery is ancient. You know, it's an ancient technology. I was about, it's funny you say this because I was thinking and I was looking at it and I felt this kind of um, nostalgic sense of weavery and, and old techniques that are, it's funny that the nature actually, um, the nano technique, let's call it like this, I said, am I saying it correctly? That it, it's something that that's prevalent all the time. Well, right now, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> So right now, like, like I said, now, now we're really very focused on, you know, we have these machines making objects. And uh, sometimes when you have a final object that is made industrially, you can really you can really see that thing, that it's industrially made. Yeah. Or, you know, we're at the age where robots taking the jobs of people. Yeah. Okay, what is the role of, you know, the robots in the manufacturing and, yeah. and so on and so on. And we try to say, um, okay, in this, let's say, try to speculate a bit for the future. You know, these machines, they're going to be more and more empowering us in the future. Uh, how can we, let's say, integrate into the, into these already existing uh, crafting techniques? Um, of course, it's very specific because it's uh, like a 3D printing. It extrudes plastic. It's a thread. So it's not that you can do anything. But we see textile get super inspired by textile design or, you know, traditional, let's say, embroidery, uh, weaving, willow making, um, but also other kind of techniques. And we think that maybe it's a good bridge, mm. you know, it's a good bridge to bring techniques that maybe right now are a bit more of a nostalgic uh, yeah. thing yeah, yeah. into something that maybe can really empower them and bring them into a different future state. Right. Yeah, and uh, bridging tradition with contemporary uh, techniques is one thing. The other is that uh, we, we explore how, let's say, the perception of plastic and especially plastic waste Uh, can change uh, Mm -hmm. through our work Mm -hmm. and that is very important because many people um, have a very negative connotation about the plastic waste for example of course but you you can't blame them i mean where the 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 media is giving us all this you know this these plastic islands and etc etc so it's and i know that the composition of plastic has changed because before it used to be much more chemical am i correct well, as a material is uh, changing through the years and the industry, let's say, is improving according to the laws. Right. But let's say when you talk about waste, you don't know from which year it is. True, it's, uh, true, 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 true. Yeah, it yeah, can true. be from the 80s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the first plastic uh, objects were much more durable than uh, the, yeah. the latest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also due to heavy... Uh, uh, petrochemical uh, composition, maybe. Right? Yes, yes, of course. I mean, for, for us, um, it's you know, it's plastic waste. Something that might finish. We we we, we hope, hope it, yeah, yeah, it will yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because nowadays there's a lot of discussion about bioplastic, biomaterial. Yeah. So for us, many times we have clients saying, "Oh, you know, but uh, why don't you put some uh, wood?" inside uh, what you're doing uh, it's uh, it looks, oh, let's cut trees come it on it looks let's. more natural but it's funny that people think that you know if you just put some wood in plastic this is more sustainable no. just because it looks like wood yeah. but again it's awareness that uh, i think it takes some time and people have to have to grow into it i mean 
You know, it, uh, my grandparents' generation would never think about separating, you know, their 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 uh, their waste, etc. Hey, maybe they were because uh, back in the days, the you know, in the villages, for example, uh, they wouldn't throw anything away. That's true. You know? That's true. And it's something that we lost uh, through urbanization, I believe. True. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a problem of uh, the last decades. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you primarily um, design for furniture used outside, as in outdoors. But I also read that you have pieces uh, for interiors. Uh, um, am I? Um, well, what was the big difference between these two? Because you were saying before that indoors you, you're it's smaller, of course. I presume not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, but it's so you make them for um, big spaces. Is, It's is mostly that, that they are weatherproof, yeah. but also sometimes more heavy duty. The uh, furniture we place outdoors because, uh, especially if it's public space, uh, it's not uh, you know secure. Uh, so people might uh, want to break it yeah. or uh, vandalize it. So they have to be stronger. Let's say. Okay. Okay. And is that does that mean that you have to use more, more, uh, more of the product? <laughs> More plastic? We, uh, it's true that because we use a lot of uh, recycled plastic, yeah. uh, usually we don't use uh, the minimum material that we can use. So we have to make them, yeah, they're usually, our objects are a bit more heavy than yes. uh, normal plastic yes. objects. Yes, yes. Uh, but exactly, so that they can, uh, they can be durable. Because the, the, the goal mm. is to make durable things because they, you know, it's a nice chair that it will last. So people are going to be using it. Mm. But also, it's a nice a nice bench that you know it will not, let's say, break down because uh, after 10 years in the sun it breaks down, or after a storm or water it uh, derodes and and so on. Outdoor furniture are really treated very badly. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, so we have to, th- this is our way to make them, uh, let's say, more durable in okay. that sense. Mm-hmm. Have you stumbled upon materials which at first seemed perfect to upcycle and eventually became more of a pain in the behind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, only only in this type of material. <laughs> Challenging materials. It's always uh, how we promote ourselves that we like R and D and to test new materials, mm. and then we face it. As yeah, a- yeah. <laughs> then you're like, oh, what did I do? Oh my god! <laughs> and becomes a material of discussion during the food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. During yeah, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> did we try this? Did we try that? Mm. Like this. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, you're both Greek. What is something typically Greek about the new raw? Aside from having a Greek department, because uh, uh, I, I found out that. And what is something that you could uh, name typically Dutch about the new raw? Yeah, I think that uh, um, it's a very interesting question. Never, uh, <laughs> never seen this question before. Uh, if I would give an answer, it would be that, um, let's say, in in Greece, let's say the Greek DNA of the new raw is that, uh, you know, you make... You create, let's say, uh, a path where there are no rules, there are no paths to, to follow. So in Greece, it's very typical, you know, you cannot, if you follow the rules, nothing works. <laughs> you just have to, make, uh, you have to make your way into making things. So I think in the ingenuity, um, I think it's part of the Greek DNA of the neuron. And uh, from the, the Dutch, I think um, more like being effective, being efficient and, you know, And you know, the, just do it. Do it, uh, yeah. Do it you know, time, think about yeah. and and, yeah. and do it. Don't overthink about true, it. True. That's so. Maybe that's also a Rotterdam um, mentality. Yes. Thank you. So that's <laughs> maybe yeah. That's a Rotterdam mentality. And that's why no, no, love but the, no, but it's it's really Dutch to a very um, um, call it nuchter. It's yeah, not to overthink something and, and 
And, you know, don't, don't let get the way, don't let your emotions stray you too far from from your from your but also when we started we were uh, contacting uh, experts of the field and uh, most of them were saying that this is not possible you don't need to bother even you know like it was really not uh, how to say it they were not um, enthusiastic about the idea and then uh, we just tried it and it could work but they were not lying it was not that they were lying it's just that they had a different perspective on things they were judging things with different standards so yeah Yeah, because you're an architect and not a business planner you were thinking about it you were looking at it from another perspective maybe Um, yeah it was different perspective because they were thinking with the plastic industry standards that might be super strict and uh, and from that time too because We're almost eight years further on, and yeah. a lot of things have changed. Yeah, there were not right? uh, similar examples before, actually. Right. So there right. was no. Mm-hmm. Um, who does the maintenance on the robots and 3D printers? Uh, do you have people flown over, or is this an in-house employee? Well, um, actually, both. Depends on the seriousness of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> But the approach is first uh, we try on our own. Yeah. Sometimes we fuck up mm. and then we call the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. And, and what kind of uh, robotic systems are you currently using or is this a big secret? <laughs> Actually, the type of robots we use is not a secret. Uh, it's a company called KUKA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not like, let's say, the part that uh, we develop from... Uh, no, no, our, no, 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 yeah. no. But this is the one that you're using for your production yeah. uh, system. Yeah, it's an industrial robot commonly used in, for example, automotive industry. Yeah. Uh, we use it for uh, our approach uh, with furniture making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's a reliable system that uh, it's quite easy, let's say, to play with it uh, without knowing so much about robotics. Yeah, and you're making very large-scale pro- uh, products. And do you have like a th- big three? Because I've been to one of those workshops where they have this big 3D printer uh, kind of cabinet thing. Or does it really take time to produce something and how long, let's say, the piece that's here? We have, yeah. uh, the, for the people who want to see their uh, work, we have a, a, Not a bench, a, bench, a little <laughs> bench. How long would it take for that to be produced or, or to be made? Uh, this depends on the size. For example, the large uh, bench uh, was uh, about eight hours eight of production. Hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. almost a working day. If you compare it, It's almost like a normal process of of, of producing something in 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 the in the assembly or or, or the the workshop. The, the only thing it has to really work from the beginning until the end. That's true. You can't you can't just you cannot really stop yeah, and reset back. it. Uh, that's, that's the only problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you said six six employees. Uh, in the Netherlands, yeah, we are uh, four to six and two people in Greece. Mm-hmm. And has it been easy to find the fit people for the so-called dream team? Did you recruit them? Lo- well, okay, the ones over there were recruited in Greek, Greece. Did you fly? No? Not all of them. Some of them were recruited here. Just oh, nice. went back to Greece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get the, you get like a, a free pass. Go back, go back. <laughs> But was it easy to find them? For, Uh, look, you have to take into consideration that we are a young, uh, let's say, studio. So yeah. we were learning on the process. Yeah. So, I mean, we are working with two of our team members. We're working like for five, five years. years. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, understood, we have made so many mistakes with them. 
like technical mistakes, like management mistakes. Like we have been through. So yeah, but it's a small team, so it's not like they feel, you know, distanced from from the the decision taking, which you see in the hierarchy of the bigger companies. Like okay, why in the hell did they choose to do this? So why in the you know? The... It's true that there are some parts that um, I mean, our in our studio, the the decisions are a bit uh, fragmented. Yeah. So not everybody has the same for all the kind of uh, decisions. Of course, of course, of course. But people are masters on their field, let's say. Yeah. So I will take their word. You know, for instance, uh, I will trust them because you know they are spending more time and I, and I, and I trust them. True. Uh, and some other things they have to trust. Uh, they have to trust us. Yeah. Um, but dream team, you know, it's a, it's a big word. It's very <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. And for what we are doing uh, in the beginning, we were always trying to find people that you know could do many things. Maybe that's that's difficult to find a unicorn, like a person that yeah, multifaceted at, uh, talents. Yeah, mm -hmm. but at the end, I think when you manage to work with people, and I think the, the chemistry of a team is something special. You know, you don't have to have the the best of on the. You, you need to have people that can work well and complement to, together. Other. Yes, mm -hmm. and to have like and with with everybody. So. I think that brings the best out of every people, True. and you know, even if it's not the you know the talent, the top talent. Mm. Some, I mean, you don't always need the top talent. You just need a good team that can work together and support each other. Yeah. That's super important, True. and True. also support us, and we support them, yeah, of course. Yeah. And you, any uh, because your um, let, let's make it clear. What is it exactly the two of you do for the company, and in the business mind? Is it one that runs the business and the other one runs the that runs the personnel? How, can you can you tell me more for Tini for Tini? Um, yeah, as we are a small uh, studio, uh, we are actually not um, so well organized that everybody has a very specific. But task. the two of you, I'm speaking. Yeah, about let's the two say the mm -hmm. two of us. Uh, we are both, uh, let's say, in the creative, dire creative direction. Yeah. So let's say every project uh, starts uh, with us. Uh, we also, um, usually one of us uh, is the contact person with the client, uh, managing the project and uh, let's say doing all the communication, the daily communication about it. Mm -hmm. uh, we also do together all the business planning. So for example, what are our next steps, uh, goals for the next uh, year or years? Uh, this is something we do together. And then depends uh, on the project, we might uh, need to work together or not. Usually for bro uh, big projects, uh, we, we join together. Sometimes it's so super small that one of us takes it and uh, go further. And then, of course, we do it in collaboration with our team, like, uh, uh, for example, the design parts, uh, the technical parts. Uh, okay, yeah. nice. But also, Fotini um, is more involved in the digital processes of the studio. Yeah. And I'm more involved on the on the hands-on process of the studio, and that's how we also started. Yeah. So, um, for instance, uh, yeah, all the physical things, moving, arranging, detailing, and so on. Uh, it's part of uh, let's say of a workshop of you know post-processing of like how we deal with things. But then all the the script, the code, the how we could do it. Uh, it's 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 a different team, and yeah, Fotini is more working with that team, and I'm more working with the other team. So yeah. nice, nice balance. Uh, how do you keep yourself uh, sane? Um, do you have, do sports or any hobbies? 
Do you have time for them because you have kids, the family, a company, a small <laughs> company? <laughs> He's yeah. making the face like, "Ooh, good question." <laughs> I wish. For what's the, what's a good answer to this uh, question? <laughs> yeah, we have a three-year-old uh, and a six-month-old uh, baby. Yeah. So we are totally out of control and balance mm. uh, in this. They're period. in charge. You're working for them. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mm. Uh, we are always running behind schedule and mm. uh, deadlines, mm. uh, but let's say. In a more normal period, uh, we try, let's say, to do excursions, uh, yeah. go out of the city, because usually when we stay here, we keep talking about work of somehow. Course, but uh, when we go to something, you know, a new exhibition somewhere else mm -hmm. or nature, then this, uh, you know, by default, uh, Uh, makes us uh, yeah, yeah. reboot, you know, kind of a reboot yeah. uh, moment. And personally, I like a lot dancing and uh, nice, nice. Yeah. And Panos, um, yeah, having those kids brings a lot of responsibility. <laughs> having a team brings a lot of responsibility. Um, I'm also a person that sometimes I need to do something with the hands. I like cooking because my mind is. Um, do you? Feel because you have a boy and a girl and girls tend to go towards the father and boys you know what is your experience as a family man and and, and I'm very i'm very young father so experience Fresh, is, yeah but still, still, still a small yeah, experience yeah, yeah i'm i'm learning you know i think for me i'm, I'm continuing you speak, you speak greek to them right uh Yeah, I mean, uh, only one of them speaks, so... Still, yeah, no, yeah, for he now. He speaks, he doesn't want to hear my Dutch. <laughs> he's always... Uh, Making fun of he's it. He's always saying, you know, let's speak Greek. Yeah, I know this with my parents too. I've had this experience. But. So that's a bit of a bullying from my... <laughs> but uh, yeah, speak Greek to him. I mean, we both speak Greek to him and he speaks. He speaks, uh, I think he speaks good Dutch uh, as much as... Uh, 33-year-old. Uh, no, don't worry about it. My parents only spoke one language to me. I'm trilingual and I was perfectly in Dutch and everything. So the most important thing I think is to have one kind of... Uh, my father used to have a jaw and then he said, if someone was to speak one word of another uh, language, we have to put in uh, some money. And then at the end of the month, we used to go uh, for dining and go to the Chinese and with, with the job because every time That's we had to put plan. in a penny, you know, it's like a good, oh, good nice, yeah, yeah. It's a nice challenge. Um, no, but, you know, it's nice because what we are doing, um, for instance, when we bring uh, the kid that understands more, Kimon, to, to our workspace, yeah. okay, he doesn't understand exactly what we're doing, but he understands You know, he sees things, he touches things. Yeah, he's like, nice. it's like something that it's very interesting. And I never had this experience Like he's inside all these things, you know, of course, the, that he only hears from, uh, he, he hears, yeah. but I mean, he's building his reality and he starts with this, let's say starting point. And for me, that's, uh, I like it. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how it's gonna, you know, yes. evolve. Yeah, and he right. says, uh, are you going to the robots today? <laughs> My, my parents work with robots. Yeah, yeah. Very fancy. Yeah, because uh, he really likes robots. Nice, so. of course. Come on. <laughs> of course, at that age. Um, where can people, besides coming to the Oxpace, see what the new RAW has created in public spaces? Do you have more? Yeah. Public spaces, actually, we have in, in uh, Greece, in Thessaloniki. These were the first ones. And actually, they, were, they are like, uh, these are the longest. The furniture we had the longest, so they have been through a lot of, uh, a lot of hell. Yeah. Uh, we have some furniture in Mechelen, so actually they have to go to our clients and see them. Uh, also, there is one prototype in Amsterdam. Uh, in Amsterdam, yeah, it's a bench in Amsterdam again. Where is it? 
Uh, it's next yeah. to the to the okay. town hall. Ah, town hall. Okay, yes. next to the town hall. Okay. Uh, also in Taiwan. It, and, and it's outside. <laughs> and it's outdoors. It's outdoors. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. don't need to go to the town hall to see. No, it. no, it's no. Okay. no. It's outdoors. Uh-huh. It's outdoors. And actually, yeah, we recently also did a project in a park in uh, Taiwan. So, <laughs> but okay, that's far away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, well. And uh, where else? And then all the all the on our website and <laughs> yeah, website. yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, how big would you like to become? Is there a limit to where you would want the new raw to grow? Because now you have. Uh, is it that you have uh, new raw in Greece, or is it just a part of the production that's in Greece? Or how must I see that? In, in Greece, we have. Uh, um, a person uh, that works for, for us remotely, but we were working with with her Stavula, Before, yeah, uh, yeah. for five years yeah. of working here and yeah. she wanted to go somewhere else mm-hmm. and we found a way to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, we were doing it even before uh, COVID. During Corona, uh, during, I think during Corona. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a client that uh, we just uh, work with them and we have a person from our team uh, doing the work for them. One-on-one, you have to say. Yes. Yeah, and there we are recycling marine plastic waste, uh, let's nice. say, on a daily basis. So it's a company, we said we started from the second nature. It's called it's the second nature. Right? It's yeah. called Blue Cycle, so it's yeah. in, uh, in Piraeus. Okay. So okay. Uh, this is the other person. But yeah, so our team is mainly international, apart from that Greek uh, branch <laughs> and, <laughs> and us. <laughs> and that's a nice, that's a nice. Yeah. But for now it's six, you... Uh, I was to sit with you in 10 years and yeah. would you say, yeah, well, we have 60 now, 600 or... You know, uh, this is a question we are actually, we, this is something we're thinking this lately. We try to see, you know, especially, okay, we talked a lot about family in this right, podcast, right, right. but having, starting a family makes you things, make you, make you see things in a different perspective. True. So it makes you think also like what you want to do and how you can actually provide for you and the, and the mm-hmm. rest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for our, for us, the goal was never to be like mil- the millionaire, you know, to make the huge uh, bucks and, and so on. We really... Not yet. The, <laughs> I mean, we would love to do that. That's yeah. not uh, that's something that we will uh, yeah. say no to. But it's not the, it's not the, the main goal of the new rock. We try to find a way that uh, we can, you know, make a living, but at the same time, you know, make have things... Have an impact. Yeah, yeah, have an impact and make things that uh, keep us interested, keep us, let's say, alive, keep us inspired because... Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, okay, it's this saying that if you, you know, do what you're loving every day, you will never work. Okay, we are working now, of course, because exactly, you have to provide for a bigger organization. Yeah. Uh, but I think at the end, it's like what keeps you insane is, you know, why are you doing all these things? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's more than just surviving. It's more, it's more about providing. You need to have like an in, in inside need that you fulfill. So we're trying to define how we can do that in the best way. And balance it with having a, a, a relationship and children, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's something we wouldn't recommend. <laughs> we wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Not to all. But it happens and it's okay. <laughs> for Timmy, for you, what's, what's, your, what's your view on that? Do you agree with Panos or did I just... Uh, pinpoint something that's going to be a problem after this podcast like no, why no. did you say this <laughs> no it's something we keep discussing right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's something uh, yeah we were naive when we thought it's a nice idea to start working together mm-hmm. it is nice but it has uh, you know uh, as everything you it's know challenging. it's mm-hmm. challenging mm-hmm. and you know it, it's the problem is that sometimes when you have a bad day, you return home. Yeah, and, and then you take it home. 
and you bring it uh, to the same person. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this person had also bad day. So <laughs> it's a bit difficult. This. Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Like the theme of these first uh, s uh, series, as last question, uh, uh, the theme of these last, uh, sorry, the first series of podcasts is refinery, refining. Uh, um, yeah, what what does this word bring to you when I say refinery, Panos? Refine. It's like making new raw, like raw into bling bling. <laughs> ah, yes. I mean, this is what we. I mean, this is what we, we want to add. We want to add value, you know, in in, in the waste that we're using. So for us, refining uh, what we throw on the waste bin uh, into something that it's a result of craftsmanship and can be done in a sustainable way for us, that's a huge uh, uh, value addition. Yeah, but Printer City was also refining someone's thought process. Too? Yeah, the thought process is always is is always there, uh, like rethinking because you know we are in a very dynamic ecosystem. Things are changing, uh, you know. Things are changing in the in the geographical and the political sphere, in technology uh, that we are very connected in what we are doing. So, it's for me it's very interesting to try to speculate. Okay. You know, try to see okay where where we're gonna be, so that you know you can already uh, somehow find the right position for yourself there. But it's true that at the end, uh, it's about yeah. You said refining. We said uh, uh, add value. Uh, that's that's the main thing. It's like how we can add the maximum value with what we are doing. You know, with the material, with the objects, with the with the practice, with the social impact that we can uh, we can have. Um so it's true that refining is not the, the word I was I have many very often in my mind, but maybe I'm I don't know if I'm answering. No, no, no. you're asking the the question to do to what you think, eh? And you Fotini? Uh yeah, I was thinking now parallel to the discussion. I was thinking, okay, yeah, indeed, uh, in a way refining for us uh reflects on the way we think, like we try always to refine uh let's say, our processes, uh, the way we use plastics and, uh, let's say, our designs. Mm. Though the result we have, usually it's really raw, uh, like uh, our aesthetics and uh, the final product. You have to, let's say, get used to this idea that it looks a bit less refined at the end, um, but still it's viable. We, we like uh, redefine more than refine. Yeah. <laughs> raw, raw define. Yeah. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, Panos and Fotini, thank you so much for this uh, nice conversation and coming to the Oxbox, uh, to the Ox podcast. And um, I hope to talk to you in the future when uh, when big things are happening. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. Right. Thank, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Radio.